Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, why you believe it, not to know what what path you're on or where you're heading. It's just a place where we accept who we are, how we've been made, our experiences, and where that is in our faith journey. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. And today we want to continue, sort of, the conversation we had last week, which we talked about preaching. And preaching is oriented within worship. And we kind of touched on that here and there, but we didn't really spend much time talking about worship itself. And so we wanted to finish off that little conversation with a question around worship. And we're going to focus on the question of what if worship was more creative? Uh, What if we lived in a faith tradition or in a community that represented the creativity that God gives us as we worship? And that's going to focus somewhat on music. Uh, It might focus on other things as well, but we want to unpack that a bit today. So we were we were thinking about this topic because I was reminded, you know, sometimes you just get these random memories from a certain point that are, you know, hopefully at least they feel like good stories to you. Sometimes you tell them to other people <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's not that great of a story. But anyway, I was reminded of this story, which we had talked about. And then that sort of kind of got us to where we are with this topic. I was in a class at the seminary that we both went to, although Nate was not in this class with me. And it was me and I don't know, there were probably eight to 10 people in there. And um, I was by far the youngest person in this room. I mean, by orders of magnitude. Anyway, um, (laughs) and I don't remember what the class was, but regardless, at some point, somehow we were talking, they started talking about um, different styles of music used in worship music. And um, somehow the conversation devolved, I mean, got to the point where, uh, it became obvious that, uh, in their opinion, the considered opinion of at least everybody who was talking anyway, that, uh, the correct way to do worship music is, you know, with an organ and in the German style. So I don't know if that's Bach or probably Bach because, you know, German, um, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was sitting here listening to them convince them convince themselves that God had a musical preference and that it was the same one as theirs was. Funny how that always works out that way, isn't it? <laughs> Why is it that God always likes what I like and hates what I don't like? Um, and so and this is kind of an innocuous conversation, and I don't usually say anything, but I was like, Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I I know I'm not like I said. I'm not, I did that. I'm not a Lutheran piece. You know, I get it. I said, but first of all, it feels really old in this room right now. Um, <laughs> and I got a few chuckles, and then a few as I got often. I often, you know, when I think about it, I often got a mixture of chuckles and "Who are you?" and "What do I do with you?" Um, was the expressions I got. Stairs. Yeah, just kind of like does not compute kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and I said, look. I do you really mean to say, do you mean to tell me that you think God has a preference in terms of the musical style? I said, you can argue about lyrics if you want, because, you know, I agree with you that God would not be happy if we start singing, uh, singing, singing hymns to Satan in the church like that would be bad and God wouldn't like it. But you really think that whether we use an organ or a guitar, you think God has a musical preference? 
I guess the answer is yes, by the oh. way. I mean, they didn't say that, right? Because when I put it that way, you can't really say yes. But then they said yes without saying yes. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? You do whatever you want in your churches. I said, but you will not convince me that, <laughs> you know, that you can't do whatever you want. I said, if if you are singing anything from polka style, which is kind of German in itself, but um, mm-hmm. to disco, to uh boy band to death metal i don't care like god doesn't care which instruments you're using and what frequency the sounds are at right god's looking at your heart and what you're doing and what you're saying and then it ended because i uh uh won the argument so i think (laughs) i think the professor was just like okay well now back to the topic at hand yeah (laughs) but like that story just kind of makes me think about it though of like we all have some way that we grew up if we grew up in a church um there's certain kinds of music that we're used to. And that's, uh, you know, certain instruments, um, certain musical styles, and whether we sing some kind of things that are considered hymns or more contemporary stuff, uh, which basically just sounds like you too, um, you know, where the streets have no name. But regardless, we all have that that we experience. And so that was kind of what we were thinking about this week. What I find fascinating about that story, first of all, it's terribly familiar. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, you go to a church and, you know, all the pastors out there in the Lutheran church will say this. Um, the first two things they want to know is, uh, are you preaching from the pulpit or not? And the second is, um, do you like the organ or the guitar? <laughs> Talk about um, focusing on the important things. I know, right? <laughs> you know, the world is a fucking dumpster fire and people don't have food and shit. But do you preach from the pulpit? Yeah, right. Or how long you preach. That's Oh, Christians. I tell you. Um, so it's all too familiar. What I think, like if we were to dive into that a little bit, I would say what you're recognizing is that there are what I would say patterns of liturgy. Um, And my cynical side or critical side would say that probably most of the folks that said organ was the only way think of worship as only one thing, Mm. um, which we would call divine service setting, whatever, Um, which means that uh, there's chanting or organ music to the responsives that we have course, the hymns are um, in the organ. And depending on where you go, sometimes even the prayers are chanted by the pastor. And I mean, just all, you know, you get the Gregorian type thing Uh where that's all they do. Um, And I'm sure our liturgy professor is rolling over. Well, he's not dead. I'm rolling over in his chair. (laughs) (laughs) If he's listening, he's rolling his eyes because I just said Gregorian chant when it's probably not that. But whatever, you know what I mean? It's like this weird pattern of liturgy. Well, at least that's the pattern of liturgy that they're in. And so of course the organ fits well with that. Um, if you were to throw other instruments into it, it doesn't mean it's bad, but it just doesn't seem to fit as well, at least from their perspective. So I think there's that conversation about patterns of liturgy that maybe we could have, but there's also the conversation of Music, and this one drives me crazy. Um, I mean, I'm just with Ryan. Let's say it like that. Nate's also Who cares kind of what a, you play. 
a music philistine when it comes to church. <laughs> it's true. I am. But some uh, of the best experiences I've had, I mean, I've had good experiences from an acoustic guitar to an organ to a concert that <laughs> disguised itself as a worship service type thing. Um, <laughs> right. Or vice versa. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, and I've had good experiences at all of them. I've had good experience where there's no music in the worship service. Now, that wasn't the norm, but it was more like uh, a graveside thing uh, that we right. did. And maybe we sang the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow at the end. But um, so uh, just, I, I don't think that's a helpful conversation to say what kind of music there is. I think a better conversation is, when we're starting to get to liturgies, the one that I put words on to what you said, which is that there are certain patterns of liturgy, pattern, patterns of worship. Liturgies is the fancy word that we use to describe how worship proceeds. Um, and for me, that's really fascinating because then you get into a level of complexity and, and interest that I think produces that kind of creativity. Hmm. So, um, let me say real quick, I've already described one of our patterns of liturgy, and then I want to hear what where yours is. But ours would, of course, be the organ all the way throughout. There's You open our hymnal, and it's got music for everything that's either, either said or whatever, except for the sermon. The sermon would be the only thing. But even like Holy Communion and so forth is done. Well, and I remember the, the first time I was at one of that type of service, because we never did it that way, as you will soon hear. Um, but like even parts of the like the whole service itself, like, you know, responsive prayers or reading are, are also in that hymn book, yeah. you know. And I remember, I think it was the first chapel service of like the three that I went to at the seminary. Um, it was like on that new orientation day where they told you you had to be there. And it turned right, out it yeah. was a colossal waste of time. Um and uh, so I went to the service and, you know, I was sitting there and I was following along until all of a sudden everybody's flipping like they just I don't know what they were. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but they were going somewhere that everybody knew to go to. And I was like, was kind of flipping the page, you know, and then somebody caught on and showed me. I was like, oh, thank bless you, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, because it's a lot of it is in there that. Um, you just learn how to navigate if you do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lutherans even have little like symbols for what page everything is on, like the that old ones. That might have been what went through me is like there were these like symbols, and I'm like hieroglyphs. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> what's what are we doing here? You know. So. so we have that in in the Lutheran Church. We also have you know varying degrees of that. Some pastors don't like to chant at all. So they don't do that. Um, some like the musical response, so they'll include the organ responsive, but just various degrees of that. Um, and of course, there is, I always laugh when they say there's contemporary music at our church or a contemporary worship service. Uh, no, it's it's more just blended, which means we're going to put in a, a song instead of a hymn because that's as far as we can mm. uh, tolerate it, right? So it's it's not a really a new pattern of worship. It's the same pattern, just different musical instruments. And that's why I find this fascinating because what we're arguing about is how best to play that pattern of liturgy rather than hey, is this pattern of liturgy really helpful? Is right. it really creative? Is it really interesting? Do people like to do it if they haven't done it their whole life? 
Uh, even people who've done it their whole life, they don't really like it necessarily. It's just more comforting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what we have in our church is just a varying degrees of that hymnal, sing everything in the 15th century. Right. Well, that's when God perfected church. So right. why, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. <laughs> uh, All right. So what, what's it like in your church? What's a pattern of liturgy or worship look like for you or your churches that you've experienced? Yeah. I mean, so in the churches I was at, it was a bit of a mixed bag, not in the sense of I was never at a church that did anything like what you're describing. Um, that would be thought of as too, well, they would not have used the word liturgical, um, but you know, <laughs> too Catholic, even though you're not Catholic, it, it, it would come across yeah. the same way, right? Um, also, they'd say, well, we don't have a liturgy, but they wouldn't say right. that, but that's what they'd yeah. act like, which is also silly because everybody has a liturgy. Right. You know, it's like, I don't think that like word means what you think it means kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the music was generally a, you know, they, they called them praise teams is what they call them in the nineties when I was growing up. Um, and they were, uh, mostly more contemporary, at least at the time, um, type music. And so in the nineties that in, in that side of the world, that was a lot, that was before Hillsong, I think. But there was like Vineyard was a big one and um, Maranatha was another one. Like there were a few big names in that world. Um, And then there'd be sometimes depending on who was doing music, there'd be older songs mixed in too. Now, once one church I went to, they never did anything that you would call a hymn because that was all dated and old fashioned. Right. Um, And then the church we were at after that, they did actually have hymn books and they liked to sing out of there some as well. Um, And so in both places, it was usually, well, there was always a piano or a keyboard. um, And then usually and then always a guitar and then a bass. And then usually, if we're lucky, uh, an electric guitar player um, mm. and then drums, of course. Of course. I say that, of course, of course. like, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, and there would be someone who was the uh, worship leader. So they would be the one who kind of directed all of that. Right. So they they led the band, whoever, whether small or large. And then the people would follow that person through the music portion of the service was the idea. And it was funny. One of the first things I noticed too, was when I set that same chapel service and they started singing and there was nobody who was leading it. And so the entire congregation comes in a beat or two too late because there's there's the organ is behind you. Right. And there's nobody like the, the pastor, whoever isn't up there singing, like they go back to their wherever. And so it was so strange to me because I'm like, there's nobody like, and then it annoyed me because like I said, we, every right. verse we yeah. came in too late because there's nobody to cue people who can't count. You know, this is when you start singing. <laughs> um, it's like one, two, three, four. Okay. Let's count folks. But anyway, um, that, uh, so that was very different because like some of these things that I just took for granted weren't there, you know, and there were, um, there were a lot of differences within that too. So like at the one church, it was all very, very contemporary stuff for the whole time. And that was pretty much it. And then the church we were at after that, like the next church, um, there were some more old, old fashioned types there. And so then we had kind of the, 
what they like to call the worship wars. I don't know if that's still a thing anymore, oh, yeah. but it was then. Yeah. And and people would be <laughs> upset that there were drums being used at all kind of thing. Yeah. And I remember people being like, well, drums are pagan or something. And I'm like, fuck, what? No, what? <laughs> What are you talking about? They're just a drum. You're at dumb. our last at our last youth national convention, they did worship with drum beats and uh-huh. dancing, uh-huh. and people lost their shit. Like, why? I mean, I know because why, the, but why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because you know, so if if there are Lutherans in Africa, for example, or somewhere where they use that style more, they're not allowed to do that. No. Uh-huh. I guess I should have known that. Anyway. Um, they're supposed to sing, and maybe yeah. we're supposed to ship them on organ. I don't know. Well, exactly, right? I mean, so anyway, it's it was, and there, you know, we used to do that this kind of thing where we'd try to blend them together, so we'd mix the old and the new. And yep. um, that worked better, but it also depended on who was, you know, it was all, it was all kind of a mess. And what, what always got me, like, there were some, some good things about that, about praise teams and such was that it was for me anyway, more engaging than um, just an organ by itself. I mean, that's just a preference thing, but there were some big problems with it too. Like as someone who was on those praise teams for most of his life, cause I would, mm-hmm. I would play the piano. Um, I started pretty early on doing that too, but oh uh, man, the, the, e- the egos on some of these people though, like, Oh my God. God, right? Like, yeah. oh gosh. Like, I remember was, this was when I was in college, so it was a different one, but I was um I was there for a practice, and this was a fairly large church, but I w- I played the piano and they had a baby grand and they would open the the lid, basically, right? And okay. uh she, one of the vocalists was complaining that with the lid open on the piano that her friends couldn't see her when she sang. <laughs> and I remember sitting there being like, and yeah. <laughs> right like i don't you know um so you know that kind of stuff and and it was always so like the what really gets me and this is not unique to music this is just church and honestly people but especially church people is like people would be so upset about this but what it boiled down to is they're not doing what i want every single mm-hmm. time yeah and like I don't like that style of music, so it's bad, for example. And I, I remember, like, to this day, I, 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 like, you know what? I don't like every song we do at my church right now. And there's some of them that are just not my favorite. And never once have I gone to the pastor <laughs> and said to her, listen, I don't like this music. Stop it. Because, yeah. like, you know, we all like different things, and it's not just about my own preferences, I, at least not for things like that anyway. So... All of that was in there very much. And um, so that was kind of how the, the music was. And then the songs kind of followed the trends of contemporary Christian music at the time, whether that was, um, like I said, whether it was Vineyard or Hillsong Later or, you know, all those kind of things. It just kind of followed that by and large anyway. I don't know about you, but all of our patterns of liturgy, they have certain things that you have to have to be Lutheran, quote unquote. And churches in different places may exclude one or two of these, but generally they have the same. And it's a structure to their worship, their liturgy. And it starts with some sort of opening 
song. There is, well, let's take the music out. The big things, the theology things would be confession, absolution. You have to confess your sins and be absolved of them. Uh, there is the readings. So, and then there is the sermon. The second half is the prayers, Holy Communion, and communion is on schedule, so it depends on, you know, what church you go to. Some do it every week, some do it every other week, some do it in various ways. Um, and then some sort of benediction closing, a blessing to send people on their way. And then there are songs mixed in depending on the church. Um, most of them that I've seen adhere to the, all of those or most of them, no matter what, uh, no matter what they're doing. Now, it could look different, but they generally follow all those. Is there a similar structure for the services that you've been a part of, the worship that you've seen? I mean, there tends to be a similar order to how the service flows in the sense of you start with singing and then somewhere in there you you ask for money <laughs> and then you hear a sermon and then you do some more singing and maybe communion depending again on how your church like one church i was at did it every week and then one church i was at did it at once a quarter you know so i mean it that depends but um and then in that world there's usually some kind of response to the sermon whether that's an altar call or something else, just some kind of prayer. But so there isn't like a set one, but every church I've been in like that follows the same, like there almost might as well be um, in that, like the number of songs might vary, but you always sing some songs, which is followed by the sermon, which is followed by this. It's basically the okay. same pattern everywhere that I've ever gone to. Okay. So if you put those together, like how people move throughout that structure um, and of course the music that you play, um, during that structure, then you get a good pattern of worship and that pattern, what happens to Lutherans is we adopt that pattern and I'm just going to kind of come right out and say it as mostly divine. Mm -hmm. It becomes a pattern that, that was the impression is, I got in that classroom. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. This pattern is the way you have to worship. Like you can't worship at least on Sunday. Now you can have worship services like, you know, if you were really into chapel, you could go to matins or vespers in the morning and the afternoon or evening. You could do all sorts of other stuff. But the worship service on Sunday would have to follow both of those things established by the congregation and by our Lutheran heritage, that those six parts or five parts or whatever of the worship service. Um, my question is, because I don't have as much experience in uh, your world, is that kind of the same, even though the structure and the music is sometimes wildly different? Um, I don't think it's the... Remember, these are by and large people who, even though some of them may know this is not true, operate as if they don't believe in liturgy, right? Like um, the idea of this idea of the low church approach to music, which is maybe a bad way to put it, but that idea of like, you know, liturgically speaking um, is like, well, we don't need to do any of that because 
whatever. And then, like I said, they all follow exactly the same pattern. They just might change how many <laughs> songs yeah. they sing or whatever, right. or the style of songs or age they were written. I mean, sorry, year that they were written in um, or whatever it might be. So I You're think sass today. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think in some cases, like there is that to a small degree, but I don't think I had ever, generally speaking, if, if one Sunday say you only did one song or, um, you know, every once in a while you'd not have a sermon and you did all singing or something. If that only happened once in a blue moon, then nobody would be like, Oh, well that doesn't count as church. Okay. I mean, you might find one or two. Somebody would. Yeah. yeah, Somebody, but I just mean by and large, it doesn't have quite the same strictures to it at least not in the sense of if it changes some or even once in a while significantly, people are going to think that what God didn't show up or was busy or didn't count or whatever, whatever it is when, you know, cause that's what I was wondering. I was going to say it's snarkily. And then I said, well, I'll try not to, we'll see how it goes. But like, so if, you know, you've got the five things or whatever that, that need to happen. If one of them doesn't happen, you just get like, like, does it not, count that week or like is it like half credit and now i'm being snarky i mean (laughs) like like i just but but seriously though like what happens if it's not like you know sometimes what happens if the power goes out for example you know does it not count or well so i assume you're asking the question kind of theologically and culturally that kind of mix between the two yeah um because the practical answer is people complain, right? Well, That's the practical answer. Yes. yes. Uh, theologically, culturally, what happens there? Well, so that goes to Lutheran theology about worship, which is that it's not what we do, but what God does for us. And so we're actually really flexible in certain circumstances, especially like if the power goes out or something like that. Um, I have found that I mean, honestly, during that's on God, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I have found during special services, people are really excited about ingenuity and creativity. Um, so, like our Holy Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day—that kind of stuff. Um, so, generally, people would be flexible for that, and probably what we would do is just have communion and pray together if that mm-hmm. was the case. If power went out. Um, but if you made it a regular thing, which I have done, um, people start to get really uncomfortable that they're not worshiping God. Mm. It's, that's where it feels like, it's not like, it's one of those things where it's not their thoughts that dictate this, it's their feelings and their experience throughout life. You, you always have worship this way because it's been encoded right. as the way you have to worship. And then a pastor comes in and, you know, I did so very carefully, but we changed some things. COVID made it. So we had to change some things and not do things a, a certain way for a while. And then it just kind of stuck. And so we're doing it. Uh, some people just feel like it's not worship. I'll give you a tangible answer. Somebody just asked me today. Um, we're, we're preaching through the Bible and, um, what we're doing is we usually in traditional worship services with Lutherans is you have three readings, the old Testament, 
um, the gospel and something else from the New Testament. Well, when the COVID started, we just did one reading. And then when the Bible started, we were just like, okay, we'll pick from that text, right? So today was Ezekiel. And so we read from Ezekiel 47. Somebody come, came up and said, you know, I want to ask you where the gospel is. Well, like, okay, it's, what do you it's mean right by that? after it's right at the beginning of the New Testament. First one is Matthew. <laughs> uh, I said, well, I try to incorporate Jesus into everything that we do. Even if I don't name him, we talk about the character of God and how that's reflected in what Jesus did. And she's like, no, no, no. What about the, the reading of the gospel? Mm. And she said, I really miss that. And I thought that was a really sweet way to say it. Yeah, you really miss it. But inside, you know, if we were to probe, because she's the kind of person I couldn't probe with, but if I probed, it would be probably that she doesn't feel as though we're really worshiping Jesus if we don't have the gospel reading as part of our worship service. Uh, never mind the fact that we're probably more scriptural now than we were when we were following that kind of route way of doing things, mm -hmm. because we're just in depth within a certain scripture. It kind of permeates everything. Like I, I base my prayers on it. My uh, confession, absolution, even communion, all of that gets based off of that scripture reading, but she misses the gospel reading. I can't falter for that, but that's a, I think a tangible idea of what happens to people when they don't get it. It's like, I don't feel like we're really truly worshiping, at least not fully worshiping. Well, and I mean, I think uh, that makes sense to me in one sense. Be makes sense to me in one sense. There's a sentence. Because um, yeah. for one thing, we've all been taught, even if nobody ever explicitly said, and in some cases they did explicitly right. say, this is God's way of doing it. Um, like we're kind of taught that that is the right way to do it. And when you're talking about something like worshiping God, then you, if there is a right way to do it, then you probably want to do it that way. Right. Right. So yeah. It's yeah. kind of, it makes sense. And we all That's have our own, we all have our own preferences. And so, um, which by the way, I, I don't think either of us are saying it's wrong to have a kind of music you prefer right. or, no. or certain scriptures you like or whatever, cause you're gonna, we're all going to have that. It's more of the, um, well, for me, it's more of when people assume that my preference is God's preference and that if we do anything in any way different than we've done it, then God's going to get us. Um, as I just hope God has something better to do than he's like, it's like he's up there <laughs> watching and being like, they didn't use an organ this time in 1982 to hell with all of them, you know, or <laughs> right, yeah. whatever, or uh, this one song they sang had bad lyrics. So, you know, it's just, I hope God has more. I mean, I know God has a lot of uh, ability to like, you know, multitask, but geez, that's a, uh, I just hope that God has something better to do. Than yeah. That. You know, uh, what came to mind, have you seen the movie um, Soul, the Disney movie I Soul? It's, no, I haven't. Oh, you got to watch it. It's a good movie. There's this one scene where they're trying to chase down some problem and this guy goes to the data source and it's like this warehouse, infinite warehouse full of files that start with AA and, you know, there's like mm -hmm. several cabinets of it. 
as guy goes through trying to find this person and so on and so forth. And when you were saying that, I was thinking that must be God's record. Like yeah. September 6, 1923. Right. Here's all the churches that did the shitty things. Life in Christ fellowship crossed off. <laughs> they were in the Lamb's Book of Life and I crossed them out. You know, yeah, right. Kind of idea. <laughs> because yeah. one of their wafers fell on That's the ground right. and he That's put right. it in his pocket instead of in his because mouth. Because they something. didn't have any grape juice and they used orange soda. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that preferences... I, let me say it a little differently than you did. I'm not sure... I'm not against preferences. I have my own. We all do. Ryan joked about something that I had said to him, which is like, I'd be okay with no music at all in worship service. And I said, uh, what? Because <laughs> I like <laughs> had a heart attack. I do. <laughs> um, so we all have our preferences. I think for me, the challenge is when that preference... Uh, yes, as Ryan said, becomes um, how God says to do it. Let's say that a bit differently is that when that preference becomes the only way you can worship. And what that does in light of a lot of what we've talked about here, and this is really nerdy academic stuff that I, I'm not going to get too much into, but so there's this phrase, phrase um, that theologians throw out. It's Latin. It's lex orandi, lex credendi. And it says, the way that you worship dictates the way that you believe. And what it's trying to indicate, and I think there's really good philosophical basis to this, is that our behaviors, in this case, ritual behaviors within worship service, inform the way that we believe about things the, and maybe even what we believe. Mm -hmm. Like, so for instance, we've talked about the practice over and over of a route thing in my tradition of worship starts to teach that there's only one way to worship God. It's a very simplistic way to think about it. If we were to back up and ask ourselves, okay, what are we believing about worship? What are we believing about God as a result of the way that we do things? Then we start to get into very interesting territory and start to maybe even give us permission. And Ryan's already done it in a really neat way. And 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 uh, the the funny way that he does it is like, so you're saying that if it's only the organ, then your belief must be. Mm -hmm. that God prefers the organ over everything else, right? As silly as that sounds, that logic is there. Um, so what are the things that we believe about God, about God's word and his work in this world according to the way that we worship? And you can go back into our podcast and you can see a lot of this stuff, right? The way we worship, for instance, defines inside and outside, right? If Ryan explained what it was to be an outsider inside of a mm -hmm. Lutheran worship service. Now, people will quickly say, but hey, you have to learn that stuff and so on. And I get that. Well, I mean, you have to learn. You do anywhere you go. Like that's Yeah. Sure. But it is communicating. You have to know certain things to be part of this community mm -hmm. as they worship together. It's as simple as that. Now, how long that needs to go. I would say in my tradition, that's that's actually pretty emblematic of how we approach our faith. You have to know certain things well, yeah. in order to be part. Of, so there's no like, I don't know if I want to say there's a correlation here, but at least Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi asks, is it possible that the way we worship is guiding that? 
and making it so that we have inside and outside so that when outsiders come to our worship service, they don't feel like they're actually worshiping God. They don't feel like they're included and so on and so forth. Uh, that's just like a really practical way that we can think about it. And I don't know if we need to spend time asking the questions of what does our worship say about what we believe, unless you're interested in that. Um, I mean, I may, like you could, hmm, I'm just thinking about that. Cause yeah. like, I could see that in a variety of ways. So like, if I'm thinking about the kind of, I guess I am interested in that, thinking about the kind of uh, worship music and worship experiences that I grew up with, I can see some things that shows about, that we believed about God that I think were good. Then I can see some things that showed that we believed about God that were, oh boy, that's a, that's not so good. You know, Um, like, one of the things, one of the markers of whether it's evangelical, well, I should probably say Pentecostal because evangelical has got a wide variety when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, but uh, is the emotional experience quality to um, that kind of worship, right? So the music mm-hmm. tends to be now your church may not be like a rock concert because you may not have all of that stuff although if you go to some of the bigger ones i mean they do lasers included um uh you know but they're still trying to create a similar atmosphere and um experience in the sense that it's not just singing songs it's uh more active you feel uh, engaged emotionally in a way that you may not in, um, other approaches to this kind of thing. Um, and like in some cases people criticize that because it's very emotional and that can be, you know, emotional manipulative. and there's something to that and it can be very manipulative, but in some ways it's also something that I think was really good because growing up, it always felt to me like I was connecting with God in a way that, it's not that that was the only way I could, because obviously I pray and I do these other things. But to me, like that was one of the times of the services. In fact, probably the where I felt the most tangible connection to God mm-hmm. was through the worship part, the singing, the music, the mm-hmm. whether I was playing or not. Um, and so like, in a sense, like you could say that for me, it showed that w- that I and we really believed in God being there with us, present. Mm-hmm. I've talked about the imminence of the Spirit a lot, like, um, and that's a real neat thing that I think was was um, was pretty good. You know, it's a good thing for yeah. us to do. And then on the other side, especially like with some songs, contemporary or not, because there's some that are technically in that world considered hymns that are also pretty terrible because like some but sometimes you'll get songs where you sing them and you're like what the hell am i saying i don't even know what this means like what is going <laughs> on right now you know yeah um uh everything from um i've got a mansion over the hilltop which is this really terrible consumerist american song about yeah. don't worry god's gonna give you all the gold and riches and stuff once you get to heaven it's terrible uh <laughs> to the um like the more contemporary side of things when i was in a uh in college age and just before that there was this song where um that said what was the line uh, when earth meets heaven like a sloppy wet kiss and yeah the face he's making right now is the same one <laughs> i made the first time i heard it and and i you know and then i said so many people complained about it that they changed it to an unforeseen kiss and i'm like 
wait, so you're just like sneaking kisses on people like this, you know, so yeah. I mean like a little rapey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like there were, like I said, sometimes they're just incomprehensible. Like you might feel good while you're singing it. But if I asked you to say what the song said or meant, it was like, well, God's big. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> or in some cases, most people don't think about the theology of lyrics as deeply as I do, but there'd be times when if you really thought about it, you're like, wait a minute, this is not something we want people yeah. to believe about God, you know? So in that sense, I think it, it was a very mixed bag um, in that, like most things, probably there were some really good things that it taught some really good things that I'm glad. Um, and in some cases, even today I miss. And then there are some things where it's just like, um, well, maybe not the best, you know, like <laughs> this one's a little silly, but I was at, it was at the church I'm at now. It was not too long ago and uh, somebody sang a song and I guess they wrote it and it was nice. Like the song was pretty and the guy's voice is beautiful voice. And I, I think I told you about this and he started, the first line is your love is like a wrecking ball of grace. And I'm <laughs> sitting there, I kind of crack up because I'm like, first of all, what does that mean? Yeah. Second of all, you can get, there was only one thing that I was thinking about at that point. It wasn't, yes, it was not Jesus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was the, you know, um, anyway, so it's, it's really a mixed bag in that sense of what, what it shows about what we believe, what we know, we, what we know we believe in some of the things that we believe in maybe don't realize. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about, when you were saying all the the theology of lyrics now you know just because we have a handbook doesn't mean they're given from god even though some lutherans believe that's the case so i have this i don't know from, i've heard some of those songs friends i mean i gotta say <laughs> i know sometimes when i'm doing a song i like that tune and i have to go through the lyrics to um make sure it's good and you know, depending on the hymn or even the contemporary songs, sometimes uh, the worst ones for me are the ones that surprise you at the end. Like there's this build up lyrically to the end of the story in the hymn, and then it's like, eh, I don't know, something terrible. Like, and let's worship the angels, for example, oh. or something like <laughs> wait that. Wait a minute, you know? where'd this come like, from? Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree up to this point, and then <laughs> then I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so I've actually found myself not singing certain stuff, not because I think you know anything of it, other than I really don't want to be saying stuff that I don't believe. But right. Well, um, and you know, and oh, I, this is just a thing of mine, but I won't try to won't talk about it too much. But um, music has a, a unique ability to teach in that it sticks in your memory way better than anything else we do. Yeah. Right. Like um, there are reasons that uh, people that I deal with a lot of people who have advanced dementia can't talk in some cases are practically catatonic, you know, and mm -hmm. will sing when their favorite song comes on the radio yeah. because they still remember like music has this way of getting into our minds and I think our hearts and our spirits in a way that nothing else does. And so I do think it's important to think about what we teach people either, especially in the words that they say, because, you know, like I said, most people don't think about them as theologically, obnoxiously theologically as I might or Nate might or whoever. <laughs> yeah. But like at the same time, in some cases, if you think doctrine's important, a lot of people's doctrine that they actually remember is going to come from the songs that they sing, yeah. not from what yeah. you preach to them. So 
you right. know, it does matter is all I'm saying. Uh, what's said. Yeah. So as we're thinking about Lex Sarandi, Lex Credendi, even though nobody's going to remember that after this podcast, that's well, if fine. If we sing it in a song, then they'll remember it. <laughs> all right. Go ahead. Have at it. Grab your guitar. Uh, let me let me workshop that a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that gives us credence to ask, what is it that we want people to believe? And then how can we craft a worship service or what practices within worship service do we want to be intentional about? Hmm. And we started this by asking about creativity. And I think that's still where I want to land because when we teach people that not only are they creative, but God is creative, then he becomes bigger than what we worship. Um, so what do you mean right by creative in this, in this context? Um, so that's the question. Like, what do you mean by creative yeah. for me in my mind? We talked about creativity and preaching using mm -hmm. the uh, multiple intelligences. I think a first stab at that would be to extend that into the worship service entirely. That would be a really creative endeavor. So what if your worship service was all about nature, you know, for instance, that you were outside no matter what time of year it was. You were outside, of course, with you know caveats Tornadoes. and all that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, oh, I think of uh, Elijah when you said tornadoes, mm. like he sees the storm passing by and it tells him something about God, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be a very creative way to worship. It'd take a hell of a lot of work, but what would it look like to worship with nature as the way that God speaks through us? Of course, he speaks to us through his word, but... A lot of the experiences in the in the scriptures are focused on stuff that's happening in nature. You think of uh, Jonah, who sits under the fig tree, right? You've got uh, Jonah go all the way back where he's uh, eaten by the sun almost, and you go forward. Poor to, Jonah, his life is so terrible. <laughs> you go to—is it Nathan? Who's that? No, it's uh, yeah, Nathan under the fig tree and. Jesus uh, says, I saw you when you were there. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think I it's think so. Nathan. Anyway. Um, and he's like, who's this? Is uh, Nazareth, uh, Nazarene, that kind of whole thing. Anyway, there's there's nature within Scripture all the time in the worship. What, what would it look like to do that? And then we can take all the multiple intelligences, right? And we can do that. I think that would be a, a way to start thinking about creativity. Um, what I want to resist is uh, novelty, right? For the sake of novelty. Novelty is okay, but it's got to be novelty for the sake of something else. So, so you're um, saying you don't want, like if somebody wants to do a worship service with a, an accordion quartet, which sounds horrifying, but let's just say that's <laughs> what they wanted. If that was being done because that was their sincere act of worship to God, that's great. But Great. if it was being done, well, we haven't had an accordion quartet yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Then that would probably not be what we're looking for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, somebody like me would like, we like to stir the pot. Um, no, everybody's surprised right now. Um, and 
it would not be good just to bring in the accordions one week and say, Hey, we're going to try something new. Um, that would be inauthentic in a different way, right? From the pastor or the worship leader pushing it on to people and saying, Hey, I think this would be a really good thing, even though nobody likes accordion music or whatever. Um, well, some yeah. must, but yes, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> um, yeah. It's like, oh, we've not had a keytar yet. Um, I think I think I like that too. I think that for me, um, it's creativity, but I think also it's a it's um, an openness to literally anything as long as the point is God, right? Like, and maybe what I'm looking for is the as long as it has heart, and I don't mean that in like a raw raw sports team kind of go get them kind of heart i, I mm-hmm. more mean like um this is something we haven't done before maybe but it's it's a new way that we're seeing and experiencing god worshiping god in a way that we haven't before and like do i want to be a part of a service where the, all the music is done by accordions for to you know beat yeah. this example into the ground not my preference but at the same time, if like, let's say there was someone who um, didn't speak English in our service and yet somehow played the accordion, maybe they're from Eastern Europe or something. I don't know. Are they, I, whatever. The point yeah. is, this person doing this was a way that they could enter into the worship of God in a way that they had not been able to before. It's like, well, I'm on board for that. That sounds great. And yeah. if I don't yeah. like whatever they're doing, then I can grow up and get over it. You know? Right. Yeah. No one's saying we got to do that for the rest of our lives kind of thing. Um, or like, you know, uh, one Sunday, maybe we don't have any instruments and we do it all without and, um, or, you know, maybe we, maybe one Sunday we have music, but no lyrics. I don't know. Um, that would be difficult, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I'm with you in that. We're not trying to be creative just because, well, we've, uh, we're doing the kitchen sink approach. What haven't we done yet? Um, because then I think that 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 becomes, maybe you said this already, but that is kind of an inauthentic approach to what I think should be one of the most authentic parts of what we're doing. You know, whether, whether you are looking for the emotional experience uh, that I grew up with or not, I still think that for most people, the musical part is in some way a, a different kind of way to connect with God than the other parts. And so we should recognize that. And like I said, for me, I really like, I don't want to get too weird here, but like, I think there is a certain spiritual quality to music just as music, whether it's, whether the lyrics are about anything, um, you know, like listen to, um, well, for some of the people, listen to um, one of Bach's fugues and tell me that there is not some kind of spiritual experience in in experiencing that music or if you play yeah. it, um, you know, playing it or performing it or whatever it is. Or, um, you know, let's say listen to something by listen to Bohemian Rhapsody and tell me that that is not a spiritual <laughs> experience in some way. Right. Like there's yeah. something about our brains and our hearts that music connects to in a way that I can't, I don't know if we can really explain, but I feel like most of us know it, you know, yeah. um, there's a reason that songs come out that capture the zeitgeist of the time in a way that, um, 
you know, because music has this way of doing that. And so I don't know if I've lost my train of thought. All I'm trying to say is like music is a lot more important than we make it than we think it is, I think. Um, but at the same time, we so I guess I, what I'm saying, is we should just recognize that and we can use that like in a good way. And when we worship God, because, um, you know, God made our brains and spirits and hearts and all of that the way they are. So I don't yeah. think God was like, whoops, I guess they like music. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Right. Uh, yeah. So what I'm hearing is um, perhaps tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like perhaps there's sort of like a spectrum here of creativity or a spectrum of digesting, divesting, um, investing intentionally into different uh, patterns of liturgy. One would be the expanse of music and to be very focused on what music is doing because oftentimes people just gravitate towards taste when it comes to music Mm -hmm. as opposed to what can music actually do within the worship service, within my mind, within my heart? One of the things that popped into my mind is, um, you know, listening to the Mars Hill uh, Rise and Fall podcast. That opening song um, gets me every time because of the content. Mm-hmm. They just pick that song perfectly. It's like, yes, and the clips they put in between of Mark yelling and the other stuff going on. Yeah, it's well produced. It's very well done. And that's the moment where I can say I kind of escaped the system right then and there. And as the music is playing, it is a very spiritual moment. And as somebody who wants to, you know, make sure life is better and people aren't abused by the church, that that's where that spiritual moment comes. So I hear that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. I think, yeah. And and I think this just thought just came to me while we, while you were talking was that the other thing that I would really like to see is that music, I believe has all those effects that I, that we were just talking about. There often seemed to be a barrier between what the musicians could do and what people who are not musical, like how well they could participate. And what I mean by that is like, if you there's a reason that even though now it makes my makes me like gnash my teeth when I hear it because I heard it so many times was the song How Great Is Our God, you know? I think yeah. it's Chris whoever it is, Chris one of those Allen, people. Yeah. And I think the reason it's stuck around is it's not particularly profound and it's I mean it's fine, but I'm just saying it's not particularly like, whoa, I never thought about God being great. Yeah. But there's something about that song that resonates with people. And I think a big part of it is you don't have to be a musician to connect with it. So it's got a simple melody, it's got a simple rhythm, it's got uh, you know, short verses that make sense. And I it's not that I think we can't have complex music or there's no place for performance even, but I do think in the world that I came from, sometimes it's like, well, we're going to do this song because we like it. And it sure is cool. And then you look out yeah. there and, you know, the average person who's not a musician or a vocalist is not really on board because they can't be. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, uh, you know, most people don't go through their days thinking about whether something's syncopated or not, because that's not a, that's, you know what I mean? So, so that kind of thing. And so I, I don't, <laughs> in terms of like uh, creativity is, um, and some do this better than others, but uh, 
it's not just about the music for music's sake. It's like, how do we use music to help everybody mm -hmm. enter in into this, whatever that means for you in ways that we haven't done before, you know? Yeah. And I think that could apply to everybody. Cause like in some of my cases, it's like, well, this is an okay song to listen to, but it may not be great for congregational singing. Cause it's too, you know, yeah. Or right. um, on the other side of things, you'd be like, well, there's nothing wrong with this, uh, you know, baroque style of organ music or whatever but we should recognize that it it is hard for some people to you know what i mean like it's kind of yeah, like everybody's do. musical tradition could use a look at and say how accessible is this not in the sense that everything about it has to change if some people don't like it or have a hard yeah. time with it but you know it i just i would like to see more work done on um making fewer barriers to entry and participation in the music, given that you don't have to be a musician to like music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we were to play with the multiple intelligences, that would be the same for all of them. Right. Some people would say, you mean we're just going to be outside and do nature stuff? What, what in the hell does that even mean? And <laughs> make sure you bring your sandcastle stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we'd have to think about in, in our creativity of being intentional, accessible, and relatable to folks so that even if you're not naturally intelligent in that, that way, in nature intelligence, <laughs> um, I caught myself as I was saying there it. There was no way to um, say that. That didn't sound like that. We all know what you meant. Um, that it's still, you know, there's still something there for you. Um, and still helps you connect because what I'm not saying, uh, and I, you're not saying it either, is that the whole thing is a reorientation around taste, right? So we're just going to go where new tastes are. No, because just because I'm not musically, uh, I don't think about syncopation. I know what it is because I played trumpet and piano for a there while, yeah. but I don't think about that. I do know when hymns are not singable and <laughs> right. when I'm part of a, a congregation now ours that I'm currently part of doesn't do it, but there was one where they just, they seem to choose the hardest hymn for that mm -hmm. Sunday every single time. And I'm like, no one's singing this. You yeah. realize that, right? You We're all just like, <laughs> nobody who's not a trained opera singer has that range, <laughs> <Exactly>. right? Exactly. <laughs> Um, make that your choir thing. They can do it. That's fine. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're trying to move away from taste that's different than what we have into a more relatable, um, and accessible spiritual experience, because that is what worship is. It is receiving the gifts of God, as Lutherans would say, which is a spiritual experience, no matter how you say it. It doesn't happen in your brain. It doesn't happen in your body. It happens in your spirit, right? It's all included, of course. But, um, And I just, I'd be much more interested in church if we thought about how can we, how can we be more accessible in different ways? How can we be more um, intelligible, if you will, to people, hitting them where they are? We talked about this last time. We have two, maybe three intelligences that we use in worship. Music is one of them. Uh, spoken word is the other. That That's pretty much it. Every once in a while, you'll get interpersonal or something else. Um, but generally, those are the only two. And that means if there are eight, we are missing 
what one fourth, a quarter of the people, or, or three fourths of the people, yeah. in the way that they think about things, right. um, and experience things. Well, and what if I, I want you to put on your uh, "That's impossible. This could never happen" hats with me here for a second? What if church was exciting? <laughs> you know, and 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 I don't mean exciting in the sense of like. Um, like there's a there's a way you could take that word is which is not what I mean. Like I don't mean like I should go to Disneyland. Yeah, it, I mean although if you know if your church, yeah, no, that's that's not what I don't mean. Exciting in the sense of like, um, all in the sense of performance or even novelty, like we were talking about, but like doing things differently sometimes while also doing things the same as we have some other yeah, times, you know, yeah. like, like to me, it's exciting if, you know, you, you can be in a church service and tell if people are on board or not, you know, would regardless of what style you have, like you can tell if people are checked in or checked out. <laughs> yeah. And um, some people are always going to be checked out. I get it. As someone who used to preach, just some people are just going to be checked out. And you know yeah. what? Their lives are hard. Maybe that's okay. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying you can tell whether people in the room are, you know, how how uh, excited they are to be there. And I just think it'd be nice <laughs> if like, um, you know, it'd be cool to be like, gee, I wonder what they're going to do this week for church in the sense of like, um, you know, like, it'd be really cool to see this group of people get to worship in a way that they don't normally, because we normally do it this way. Or, you know, what if this week the children somehow did all of the music and yeah. the next week, what if we sang a whole bunch, we did some kind of hymn sing for the older people who like that. And then the next time we did, you know, stuff that I'm more comfortable with or whatever it is. Like, it's not yeah. that we have to, we're not, like we said earlier, it's not a bingo card. You got to fill off, fill out. But, um, it's more just like it'd be exciting to be in a place where it felt like we were doing the best that we could to give people the most opportunity to engage with God as possible, knowing yeah. that you're never going to please everybody. Cause, but that's the thing is like, that's my point is like, that shouldn't, shouldn't be our, our main consideration, you know, <laughs> shouldn't be about yeah. pleasing people in the sense of like, Ooh, they did this and I liked it as much as like, well, I wonder why they did this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But maybe well, and that brings us to maybe another conversation later on. What if people trusted their pastors and what if pastors trusted their people? Maybe there'd be. Yeah. Well, some of this stuff later on there. Huh? Yeah. But it, I like it. I think that that's absolutely right. Um, worship. I'm going to suggest this. It should be formative. It should change us. Uh, too often, worship is comforting and comforting in the bad way. Like, it's just like we're here for the ride as long as we can do it. And that's where that taste, that pleasing mentality comes from. We're more interested in making sure worship is the way that we are or is the way that it should be and that it is doing what we want it to. And, um, what if, <laughs> what if worship was formative? Maybe that'd be a, it wouldn't be a good title for the podcast, but that is a good question. What if it was formative? Um, recognizing that, hey, I'm not very good at the nature stuff. I need to grow to appreciate how God works within nature. 
because God does work within nature. Uh, certainly, I'm not musical. So what does it mean for God to work musically with me? To have an experience like that, which have been few and far between, but th- they've been amazing when they've done it well. And I really feel it as somebody who's not gifted in that way. What if worship was formative? And it would be like everything else or anything else. Like it's going to be, a, it would be a learning process. And, you know, we'd, uh, we'd try some things and change some things and keep some things the same. And, and I guess I just, maybe all of these things that we've been talking about are like, I wish we all felt like we had the freedom that I think we do have. Um, or at least we could have, and that we've convinced ourselves we don't, right? Whether that's yeah. because we've we've decided that God only likes things this way, or because we're afraid to upset people if we do it that way, or you know, I know it's easy for me to say I don't have a church that I have to um, do any of this in, right? <laughs> I just go to see people and then they die, so I, I understand that like this doesn't really affect me in the way that it does for some of you pastors, but at the same time, I wish, you know. I just, I just wish that uh, we we had this picture of God being someone who, not just loved us or not just liked us, but like delighted in us, right? Like, so I can just imagine God being like, "Wow, that's really cool." Even if God yeah. knew what it was, I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, you know, like right. when when somebody you care about shows you something they're really passionate about, even if you're not particularly doing it yourself, it's still kind of fulfilling to see how excited they get about it. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like if if we do that for each other, don't you think God would do that for us? And whatever you do or don't do in your churches, whether you're the pastor or whether you go there, um, I wish that we all had that perspective more in mind of um, what really gives people life. Like, what is life giving? And if we want to talk like today, we've been talking about in terms of music and that kind of thing. But with anything, like what really brings people life? And if what if we helped people do that kind of thing, or at least tried. And, and, you know, I just, I feel like that would be, be something that I haven't seen a lot of. And I know that it's not perfect and that, and that we'd never succeed a hundred percent, but you know, I just would, I would love to see that tried more than I have experienced it in my life anyway. Yeah, me too. And I think there are a lot of, I want to say younger but 40 and 40 and under people who are expressing kind of the same thing, sometimes explicitly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to some folks who say, I, I just can't go to worship because it's not engaging. Now they'll use a different word, but that's what they mean. It doesn't engage me in my life. Um, I have this lady in our congregation. She's great. She says every time said, Nate, you're, Worship services would be amazing, even though they're not mine, but they'd be amazing if you didn't have the organ. I'd love every other piece of it. And I'll sit through the organ just to be there for the rest of it. And and many more like them are just asking for an engagement. They're they're searching for it. Let's say it like that, because I don't know if they quite recognize where they are um, and recognize what they're really searching for. But I would say they're searching for an engagement. They're searching for God to speak to them and through them within the worship service. And 
you know, what you do with this as you're listening, that's completely up to you. As Ryan was clear in several of our episodes, uh, you could be crazy and do something nuts like me and and say, hey, for two months, we're just going to do the eight intelligences and then figure out what that worship service looks like. What did we like and not like and craft something around that? You could do that. But you could also just, uh, not just, but you could also take the music that you have and be intentional about how do I have this worship service engage people in this time and place where we are as a congregation, a nation, a people, whatever it is. And I know a lot of pastors do try to do that, but to go the extra mile and ask, is this worship engaging? Where isn't it? Am I just doing this because I'm supposed to? Can I do it a bit differently? Uh, final little like thing, just to give you an example, and then we'll close out, is my confession absolution time and, and the worship service that I do, I started to really become, what's the word, discouraged that all we did is confessed how shitty we were as human beings. And I decided, hey, let's confess how the world has take a shit on us mm. <laughs> instead. Where have we as Christians, as people of God, experienced sin outside of ourselves as it oppresses us? That's a perfectly logical and Christian way to think about things. And I added it. I first started doing it exclusively. That was a mistake. I should have just added it. Yeah. <laughs> but now I have it added. We call it confession, absolution, and acknowledgement and comfort. So we confess and uh, confess our sins if we need to and receive that absolution. Or we acknowledge our brokenness and our weakness and our frailty as human beings. And we receive the comfort that God is with us in various different ways. And you know what? When I first made that turn and just did it, people were very upset. I'm like, okay, let's back up. This is all good, but let's see what we can do. And when I changed it, people started to see, oh, okay. So not only, and hopefully they get away from this, but not only am I a shitty person, but the the complaints I have about this world are legitimate. Like, mm -hmm. I'm under the heel sometimes of my asshole boss or this guy that cut me off or this, that, or the other, right? Um, and it's allowing for a more robust conversation and understanding of who God is and what he's done for us. Uh, so my, my encouragement would be to find a way to do that, um, whether that is the radical way of, hey, let's burn it all down, or the little slight adjustments here and there to help people experience a wider wider God in a wider world. Yeah. Yeah. I think whatever you do or don't do, whether, like I said, whether you're the pastor or not the pastor or, you know, like we said earlier, it's not, we're not trying to say, okay, here's all the new things you got to do just so you can do things new. Because if you do this kind of music, people will come back to your churches and it'll be like, <laughs> it never changed. You know, I mean, that's not, that's one false, but two, that's not, right. that's not really the point. Like, honestly, We've we started by framing this discussion by saying these discussions by saying that like we don't we don't know what's right for everybody's context. But the point is not that you have to do what you know, we're not giving you here's five things you should do to, you know, if we were doing that, we'd write a book and make a lot more money than we do at this podcast, which of course is zero. So 
you know. Um, anyway, the, <laughs> the point is, before I derailed myself with a clumsy attempt at humor, um, the point <laughs> is that uh, I hope it can serve, uh, we hope it can serve as a way to um, try to help people connect to God in a way that they haven't before. And that could be on an individual basis, just like you who's listening, or it could be at your church or your family or whatever. And I think what, you know, whether you uh, scrap your music and just do nature walks for the rest of your time, or, um, you know, you have beach day every Sunday, depending on where you live in uh, St. Louis, that would be a little industrial. Um, but regardless of what it is, the point is like, what what can we do in our lives with God? at church and not at church in a way that helps us connect to God in ways we haven't before. I mean, I really think that's, that's what we're talking about. And I think when you get that authentic connection, whatever that looks like for you, I think that that is a lot more likely to, people are going to notice that a lot more than whether we ever change the music we do or, um, you know, build a fancy building as opposed to an old one. Like people don't really care about that very much because if they did, the, their churches would still be full of people and they're not. But I do think people recognize when people recognize authenticity. And I think that's what, I think that's what one of the main things we're trying to get at here is like, how can we be authentic with God? I mean, God knows us anyway. So what are we? (laughs) So in terms of that, but, um, yeah, not as a guilt thing, but just as a like, it's okay to be you, whoever you may be. And um, yeah, I think maybe it's as both simple and complex as that, you know, because it's one of those things that, yeah, that makes sense. And that's real hard to do, but that's okay. That's why we're supposed to do it together. Um, so yeah, let us know. I mean, it'd be interesting to hear uh what you think of these ideas whether it's about music or anything else we've talked about or um you know if you want to tell me why i'm wrong and god does in fact only listen to bach <laughs> fugues i suppose you could do that um and i'd I be will... really interested to know if anybody's done a creative worship service and what that right. was like mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah we're just interested we'd love to hear it and uh, or anything else you can send us an email at uh frontier faith podcast at gmail.com see it's in my brain i remembered it i remembered it um and uh, if you could give us a review on whatever podcast app you listen to a good one that would be great um five stars please i think we deserve it and uh other than that i don't think there's anything else we need to tell them is there i don't think so so um hey god loves you I think that's I think that's an easy an easy one to say that maybe we don't always remember. So it's okay and it's gonna be okay and God will take care of us. 